3: Outspoken
2: with White and Jordan. 100% engagement. It's a total disrespect. Download, stand well back, listen. Jim White and Simon Jordan. I don't see that view. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Hi, this is Jim White, and thanks for listening to Outspoken with White and Jordan. Coming up in today's episode, myself and Simon were joined by Danny Murphy. We start by chatting about his bizarre experience last night on the BBC's FA Cup coverage. Danny also gives his view on the scenes at the end of the North London derby, which involved Aaron Ramsdale and the Tottenham fans. Simon discusses Sir Jim Ratcliffe's desire to buy Manchester United, including how much he thinks the club is worth. And we were joined by Tyson Fury's promoter, Frank Warren. He provides an update on negotiations for a fight between Fury and Alexander Usyk. Mr. Danny Murphy, good morning. How are you? Good morning, yeah, good.
4: <laughs> what is that? What on earth was that? That's following you around at the moment, isn't it? Do you know, it's weird to do it like talking. There it is again! <laughs> been doing I mean you've been in media a lot longer than I Jim but that was uh, one of the most bizarre experiences I've had yeah I spent the, the in-between bits of talking thinking about people I despise which was quite easy in, <laughs> in many respects <laughs> I was just trying to think of really negative trying to think of people I really don't like and things I don't like to keep stop me from laughing.
2: So how like so this was you were at Wolves Liverpool last yeah. night
4: and well, somebody so-
2: planted this tape, this audio tape that kept on going off.
4: Well you, the, you it was some YouTuber idiot or whatever, but yeah, it was quite funny at first. Initially, because it was it was so loud in the studio, it was obviously very off putting, but we didn't realize it was only, we thought maybe it was coming out of Tannoy, right? Because there's a speaker just outside the studio and the whole stadium was getting it. And then we realized it was just us. So sort we of thinking, someone's got us here. And then, of course, as you know, by seeing it, every time it came back to the studio to speak, once you've seen a bit of VT, or whatever, it started again. And the problem was, I couldn't really hear what Gary was saying. Eve couldn't really hear what I was saying. Ince couldn't hear what. So, what was coming out so of your mouth? Good come out with him. Pardon? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good to come
2: out with him. I mean, we could so have. Somebody said somebody was operating and you didn't know who.
4: Yeah. And, um, Do you know now? I think he's Yeah, he's, he's posted it as I, I wouldn't give him the credit, of giving him his name. It became tedious after. About Apparently, five, it was I mean.
2: Jarvo, the, the YouTuber. But, in fairness. Yeah. Prankster. In fairness, I
4: thought Linica handled it quite well because it would have thrown many
5: a guy off their strides. He so, he in did. fairness, I thought the, the producer maybe should have thrown. Outside and took him away from the studio. If I was in control of that situation, if Lukey was doing it, he would have managed it. I'm not the rank amateurs at
4: the BBC. If you were the producer, I like yeah, that. Well, no, See right, the, the Martin
5: Keown was the producer. He's that in next. Oh yes. yes. Yeah.
4: I did think of you, Jim. Because I thought you know, if that at happened, that, was, that if moment the noise happened, was going on, you thought of Jim. Yeah, if that happened on air, I'm not sure Jim Danny. would know what the noise was. But that's <laughs> well, a different story. It didn't
2: register in <laughs> <easy late. laughs> I remember that noise from the 50s. Yeah, I I thought it was somebody in pain. It was. This is wonderful. So I mean. Jarvo, if you're listening this morning, a nation is talking. Danny Murphy, you were the consummate professional just cracking on through it, getting on with the points it was, it that you was, were making. It was a weird
4: one. It was a weird one. I um, How did you feel when Shearer threw you under the bus blaming you? Well, at that point, I, I hadn't checked me. I wasn't actually sure. It wasn't me. So I checked. <laughs> <laughs> The thing was, I got paranoid because Gary, Gary said it as well. So I thought, I better check my phone. Luckily, I'd already turned it off. So I thought, well, it can't be me. Um, but yeah, it's it, it, in, in many ways, because the game was poor, yeah. it wasn't really like an FA Cup <laughs> game, it give us something. Something to talk about. Well, Danny, you were part of one of TV's biggest moments even this early
2: in 2023, so congratulations oh. for that, my friend. Uh, anyway, uh, let's go over to you. Was it tough getting that big macro catch ashore this morning? <laughs> what on earth have I, you gone? I on? think I look like the Saint. <laughs> I think it's a Simon Temple outlook I expected to hear the na
5: na 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 we landed a big fish anyway we with down Danny, this morning I like
2: there what you, you did go. there there you, there, there you go I like that Simon Jordan um, Talking with a big me fish. this morning as Mondays always got now
4: after Mr. Soon has decided to depart isn't oh we got a-, a proper whopper we had Martin Keown oh did you yeah we did so yes. you've got more Mondays and Fridays oh it's none of your
5: business what we've got on Mondays and Fridays yeah it is you're on Wednesday <clears throat> what about what you're doing I'm part of the show So sad they're listening to you for the last 10 minutes I'm doing this I'm too busy with that <laughs> I'm busy with this I'm in demand for that oh yeah oh, they, they were my words yeah. we've, we've had know, a variety
2: of meetings on this subject Danny and all will be revealed very shortly we have no idea <laughs> um, uh, no we, we're, we're well on top of the situation uh, Liverpool Danny got on top of the situation last night albeit I expected more from Wolves I think I heard you say through there when you were talking to, to one of the lads from Laura's show that you expected more from them as well from Wolves. But was an unextraordinary win exactly what Klopp needed at this time?
4: Yeah, I think the, uh, the energy was better. The clean sheet would be delighted with. I actually saw the team and thought, I'm worried for Liverpool here because obviously they've not been playing well. There was a lot of inexperience, a few teenagers in the side. Um, I have to say completely, uh, I was completely wrong. They, they played with a spirit and a, and a hunger that you expect young lads to play with, but the quality, I thought they managed the game well. Now it's a balance, <clears throat> excuse me, it's a balance between Liverpool's quality and Wolves' lack of or lethargy.
2: Welcome to the Coliseum of Confrontation. Outspoken with White and Jordan from the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Mr. Murphy, twas me who was trending on Twitter for most of the day yesterday before you took the bat on well, last night <laughs> following uh, the BBC's audio tape Sexgate uh, thingy, mm. uh, Wolverhampton. Um, so uh, I handed you the baton and then it was over to you. But before that, yes, you're right. What did I do? We were talking about Tottenham losing 2-0 to Arsenal, a game I was at on Sunday at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. We were talking about the events at the end of the game when... Um, Ramsdale, Aaron Ramsdale, the Arsenal goalkeeper, responded somewhat um, to some of the crowd uh, comment that he'd been receiving from Tottenham fans and gave it something of the biggin. At the end, a little badge kiss, a little fist pump, and then went over to get his gloves, and we know what happened after that. Uh, a Henderson fa- did
4: it as well against Wolves. A fan came out of that, the,
2: the, that very yep. heavily populated Tottenham end, and uh, we now know that fan has been uh, charged. So we won't talk about that in any detail whatsoever. But I was suggesting yesterday that maybe players in such a moment, and I think to Simon, to a degree, you were backing me, mm-hmm. should just be mindful that their actions can get a reaction of an adverse nature. Now, funnily enough, on my 10-minute walk round the corner from where I live just around at the Tate Modern round to the studio this morning, I nip into the news agents. Uh, Del Boy, the news agent, was chatting to me
0: when Andrew, the Arsenal fan, came over to give me his version of events. Over the years, that is what Arsenal and Tottenham players and fans have done with each other. We've always We've always interacted with each other, you know? It's always been a a back and forth, and um, I just think that it was just one fan that just decided to go over the top. I work in security myself, so uh, I expected the stewards to at least get involved. That's what they're paid for. Maybe they're just not paid enough to get involved in the way that they're supposed to. And you think it's all part of the Arsenal Tottenham thing? Yeah, it always has been. It always has been. As I said, if it's not Ben White um, saying 2-0 to the crowd or if it isn't uh, Theo Walcott doing the exact same thing, or them giving it to us fans when um, they score a goal. It's always been that way. I love the fact that Keon actually spoke about the fact that, um, yeah, we do walk the gauntlet when we go over to the uh, to the uh, Tottenham Stadium. It's always been that way, you know. There's always been a, a, a couple of them that have always given it to us as as we, as we go there. So, yeah, I love talk sport. Absolutely.
2: Good old Andrew, enjoyed that chat with you this morning, Andrew, thank you for that. Now, many people on social media, Danny, where I acquired many new friends yesterday, uh, said I was making something of a mountain out of a molehill with that. But basically, the bottom line question, before I go to Simon on it again, is should players take responsibility in a powder keg situation?
4: I I think you have a, yeah, you, you have responsibility, you do. You, you, need, you need to think about your behaviour and, and what you're doing on and off the pitch all the time. That's, that's part and parcel of being a footballer and representing a big club. It doesn't offend me at all, the little bits of banter that players do at the end of games and stuff like Ramsdale did. It doesn't bother me, personally, because I've been in that environment and I get it, it just happens. But I do think that you you end you end up making yourself look a bit silly and causing problems for yourself that you don't need. Saw the Henderson antics after the Wolves-Forest game. Ramsdale does now have a question mark over him. Why is he doing this? Why is he doing that? Instead of talking about what a bloody good goalkeeper he is. Mm. And he didn't need to do the last bit. Now, just, just to separate, and Simon and I were just talking off air, I, I spoke of, I think it was Man City players celebrating their Arsenal somewhere not so long back. In a spontaneous moment, when a game full of emotion and passion, I think it's what we want to see is players caring and celebrating and giving it the, the away fans or giving it to home fans when they've been having a bit of stick. I've got no problem with that. When it's a bit more calculated and a bit... You, you've got to be self-aware at the end of a football match and how close you are to crowds. And I've been in some really difficult environments playing football, on and off the pitch, and you quickly learn to help yourself. And I just think maybe Ramsdale will look back at it and think, you know what, it's not the biggest... You know, he's not it wasn't committed. the
2: wisest thing to it, do.
4: No, but also wasn't the worst thing in the world. Oh, no, I accept and, that. And, and he is a young man. And so I think maybe I think
5: all of that's about right, Jim. I also don't think we should be excusing Richardson from the conversation as well, by the way. No. Because Richardson got up in. Um, yeah, but you know why those. he's
4: doing it, don't you? Well, because he he's playing really? to the gallery. Yes.
5: Yeah, but that doesn't also... He should also be in this conversation. Correct. He should be told about his behaviour. He's always what, we, None of us in this room are suggesting for one second that we give one, se- one sense of justification Correct. to what that moron fan did. And Idiot, the consequences yeah. are all his to own, right? That's his lot, right? As far as going to watch Tottenham, I suspect, right? But it is also the spontaneity of celebrating a goal. Sometimes I think it's ill-advised Ill- Ill- to run over to the to the, to a huge segment of, of fans supporting the opposition and give it to them then because I think that's probably slightly provocative. Mm. But I do understand and concur with you the spontaneity mm. of celebrating a goal and also cupping your ear against fans. Yeah, be, I get yeah, all that, right? Yeah, I understand. Yeah. It's part of the theatre. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but when you're coming off after, after to a game and you know, Ramsdale knows that pointing at a badge and giving it a big one to those fans at that moment in time is going to create a reaction. It wasn't about celebrating the spontaneity of a win. It was about yeah. doing something to give something back. He's a professional footballer. He's in a very privileged position. He doesn't need to do that. No. I understand that as a human being, he's not a robot, he's going to have emotions, and why mm. should he have to listen to a bunch of abuse? But the challenge is, when you're in a business that's driven by emotion, the only reason you're on £200,000 a week is because this business is fueled by emotion and sentimentality, because no one would pay half of these this kind of money if it wasn't supported <laughs> by that. <right? laughs> so true. we're in that space, so you can't take all the benefits. So I think in this conversation, Jim was right to flag that Ramsdale should do better. <coughs> I think Richarlison should be in a conversation as well because I think his little intervention was unnecessary and inflammatory and I think the fans should be drop-kicked out of football not there anymore
3: It's that time of the year Your vacation is coming up You can already hear the beach waves feel the warm breeze relax and think about work You really, really want it all to work out while you're away Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things
5: just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the
0: Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together.
5: and Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com/slash host.
2: I wonder if Sir Jim Ratcliffe will stay with it, with his intention to be back in the bidding for Manchester United. Well, we've only now found out: yes, he has officially entered the bidding process to buy Manchester United. His company, Ineos, has confirmed it. So now we know he's in the mix. And uh, that has been widely covered today uh, in every aspect of uh, the written and broadcast media. So now it's official. He's in there, Simon. We've spoken about Sir Jim before. Um, After a failed past deadline offer for Chelsea and previous flirting with United... How seriously should we take Sir Jim's intentions? Is he in it to get it? And do you expect him to get the club, Simon?
5: Um, um, is he in it to get it? He's in the conversation. Will they get... Well, it depends on the price that Man United think they're going to get. Depends what this merchant bank think Manchester United are worth because they're all getting excited in America about the worth of English football clubs now. Well, the
2: Clasers want more than five bill.
5: Yeah, and I think that's probably somewhere where they are. But that's not the conversation that's being had here. The conversation that I've understood it to be that the rain group think that they can get north of six to seven billion sterling, which is eight billion in dollars. Now, of course, with the pound being weaker for the Americans right now, it gives them a more reason to buy football clubs and more reason to invest because they're getting more bang for their buck, both literally and metaphorically. But not at seven billion quid is Jim Radcliffe going to buy this football club, and certainly not on his own. You know, he's worth inordinate amounts of money. If you want to talk about 15 and a half billion dollars, 13 billion quid and suggest that he's going to spend 60% of his worth to own Man United, then you're away with yourself. He's not going to. Can he do it? Yes. Will he do it at that level? Probably not. Why coming... would he do it? Well... If it's going to cost half of what you've built up over your lifetime. It depends what his, what his motivations are and what he thinks it is. Why would anybody spend 200, 2.5 billion on Chelsea at this know. moment in time and suggest know. it's some sort of philanthropic exercise well, when well, we all know uh,
2: it's a return on investment? In August, Simon, he said quite succinctly, I want to buy United. Yep. Yeah. At a, at a reasonable price. So that intention remains, but as you rightly say... At a reasonable it's, price. What, yeah, what's he asking? I mean, Jim Redcliffe, Red Redcliffe
5: is a very astute businessman, a very successful businessman. He also has quite a significant footprint in sport, whether it's in cycling or whether it's in motor racing or whether it's in the football clubs that he's involved in, Switzerland and France in. This is nobody's fool. And obviously part and parcel of his motivation is to own, arguably... The biggest football club, Man United, winning the Premier League, Man United being back amongst the elite, will eclipse everybody economically. The fact that they're not far behind everybody and still not pulling up any trees tells you, tells you that once they're back in the groove again, they'll be back in the economic top of the tree scenario. So, with that in mind, it's all about what what Radcliffe. Feels it's worth to him. Why did Elon Musk buy Twitter for 40 billion? Didn't use his own money, used lots of other people's money, sold a lot of Tesla stock to get to that position. He had an end game attached to it, which is influence. Jim, Jim Radcliffe just buying Man United because it's a trophy is not where this is going. And then you hear this ridiculous sideline noise from certain Man United fans he ain't got enough money. Right? <laughs> and that sort of stuff. I mean, yeah. you,
2: you can't, some people you just can't. Talking to an idiot isn't worth talking to. Sure, You you wonder what he's thinking is because in November, Simon, he ruled himself out of buying any Premier League club because of a lack of value.
5: Again, value, the beauty's in the eye of the beholder, isn't it? It depends what you want it for, whether it's an economic position. If anyone's going to spend four or five billion quid Forget about it. People, I was listening to Eamon Holmes this morning talk about the idea that people who own football clubs. It's are just businessmen. Well, if you're going to spend f- five billion owning a football club, you are going to want some return on it. We can't all expect everyone to be a fairy godmother trying to influence people's thinking by being a nation state buying a football club for very different reasons than somebody that's a commercial man that's indexed to it for other reasons. So there has to be some form of commercial thinking behind it. So, with that in mind, do Manchester United get sold at six or seven billion quid? I'd be gobsmacked if they did. If it gets into the territory of between four and six, and by that I mean probably five, <laughs> then the
2: conversation happens. I mean, when you envisage the scene, Sir so Jim is in there, the Qataris suddenly yeah. arrive in the mm. scene with the Saudis...
5: Yeah, I think the, the Qataris...
2: The of the whole thing changes, doesn't yeah, well, it?
5: well, does, it, it becomes a competitive tension in the conversation, doesn't it? It becomes slightly in the territory of a bidding auction. Right? But even the Qataris and even the Middle Eastern guys aren't stupid. They bought Newcastle for 350 million quid, right? and they'll turn it into whatever they want to turn it into. They didn't go and spend the King's mm. ransom to buy Newcastle. They bought Newcastle at a market price, and some would argue that 350 million quid for a Premier League football club that has the potential of Newcastle is very small beer. The Qataris, I think, will probably, in my view, be more in to fire their guns metaphorically at Liverpool what do you think Liverpool's worth compared to United well is hard to say it's because they ain't worth what they're getting paid for you know the value to other businesses the value for the brand of football clubs to be associated with other businesses is quite significant Mm. so you've got to put a tangibility to an intangible value but if you're looking at Chelsea at two and a half billion and you're looking at Liverpool with the worldwide footprint that Liverpool has which is bigger better Mm. and more entrenched than Chelsea's Right? then if Chelsea are two and a half billion, then Liverpool are somewhere between three and four billion. And if Liverpool are between three or four billion, then Manchester United are somewhere between four
2: and six, which is probably five. And even at that level, it's ridiculous. But you and I, Simon, in Qatar, and I'm sure you might have mentioned this, but I'm about to, and I think it's fine saying it. You and I were with Nasser al-Khalafi, the mm-hmm. chairman of Paris Saint-Germain. Yep. When he confirmed to us that day, and that gentleman, if you remember who was in the uh, corporate suite we were in, yeah. who had just left, and it, 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 we, we didn't get our hands on him, had bid $4 billion for PSG, yeah. and Calafi had said Th- no. There, were,
5: there was so much more of this race to be run in football finances. You know, you look at the NFL clubs in America and you look at their broadcasting deals, which are probably twice the size of the current revenue being generated by a top English Premier League football club, and you look at the NFL valuations of their clubs, and they're all talking about that in the billions, and their marketplace is nowhere near as big as this football marketplace. So there's lots in this race to run. Right. Mm. So you can see the reasons why the economic value of these football clubs. But PSG don't fall into that category. God love you, Nessa, but it doesn't, because the league itself is a substandard league. It's not going to generate the revenues that the Premier League is going to continue to generate, no. and it's not going to be at the front of the queue when the next evolution of football comes along. Long. So I don't understand that valuation. Okay, and I'm not questioning NASA's word, but no, I, don't, no, no. I don't understand it.
2: Would a British-born buyer fit the iconography of Manchester United? More, if, more suitable, if it if it gave the Manchester United fans
5: everything they want when they want it, how they want it, then yes, it will. If it doesn't, then there'll just be another owner that's in it for their own reasons, that has their own motivations. That's another suit in the ballroom that doesn't get the dynamics of what a unique football club Manchester United is.
4: Isn't the isn't the cost of revamping Old Trafford or rebuilding it factored into the price? Yeah, that... but that, they, that's easy, done, isn't it? If, you, if you're buying, if you're building a stadium for two billion quid, it's worth two billion quid. So you,
5: you you don't necessarily have to use your own cash for that. You can strap that against the revenues it's going to bring in. Right. In the same way that Chelsea, Chelsea weren't going. to... There's a myth that Abramovich was going to write a check out for Chelsea. He was out in the marketplace, I know, trying to borrow money to be able to build, rebuild the Stanford Bridge and trying to get a ticket that was much more economical than the prices being offered out there. So there's nobody in their right mind that's just going to use their own cash to build bricks and mortar because there's no need to. Bricks and mortar retains a value. In a player, it retains a value and it generates a revenue stream. And maybe players do, but most of the time you're buying players for the here and now. A stadium you're buying for the here and now and tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. And you're building a stadium that's going to have 100,000 fans in it, you've yeah. got an extra 30,000 fans every game in there, which is going to bring a revenue stream of probably an extra 20 or 30 or 40 million pounds a year, which will finance
2: the cost of the stadium in the first place. Simon, to finish with at this point, the conventional thinking around this latest uh, speculation about Manchester United is that a new buyer will be in place... By the end of the season. Do you think that will happen? I would... This is not Chelsea. To
5: buy a business for this sort of quantum... Look how much trouble there was with Elon Musk trying to buy Twitter. And the ultimate situation where he was forced into buying Twitter after actually devaluing Twitter by taking it to pieces and telling everyone it was worth nothing and trying to get it for half the price. He was forced into buying it by Jack Dorsey because of the pre-sale agreement he put into place. And that took six to eight months. I'd be very, 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 very surprised if Manchester United can be bought in four months given this quantum of value that the Glazers are trying to extract from it. They've got a market cap of 2 billion. They want three or four times their own market cap and they're basing that upon emotional investment and people's relationship with a football club as well as the intangible value that it might have to other businesses that people that are buying Man United will utilise that brand what for. What do you mean emotional investment? When did they emotionally invest? Well, uh, no, no. The emotional investment, who's going to buy it? So in the instance of Jim Radcliffe, his yeah. is an emotional investment. He will have an emotional investment. That card can be played in that conversation. In any other conversation where it's a hard-nosed Chinese man or Middle Eastern fella they're not going to have any emotional investment yeah. in buying Man United they're going to have a desire to buy it for their own motivations Jim Radcliffe will have a proportion of his makeup being this is the club I love what percentage chance do you give Radcliffe of getting it all based upon the price if it's if it's beyond 5 million quid 5 billion quid not a lot
2: welcome to the Coliseum of confrontation outspoken with white and jordan Simon a big fight this weekend of yes, course it is Juban Jr yeah. against Liam Smith Are You going I but, am indeed Yes indeed but we still await official confirmation of uh, Tyson Fury against Alexander Usyk we were told it's going to be March it might well be here in the UK but the sensible money is on Saudi it's going to be over there because of the huge amount of money that the Saudis will pay for the site fee so where are we at with it now is it really still all about location uh, and and really per split thus far into negotiations are we going to get the definitive answer at this moment Tyson's uh, UK promoter is Frank Warren and Frank joins us live Frank good morning morning chaps and the answer is no Frank Warren, thank you very much. <laughs> now then, moving on. <laughs> uh, Frank, where, where are we at? Because as soon as we mention you're coming on and we're going to be talking about Fury Usyk, there is a rush of interest amongst the the, the the boxing listeners. And, you know, I wouldn't expect anything other than that. Can you tell us where you're at?
1: Well, you know, we're, 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 we're very far down the road. But as a, we, at the moment, we're just trying to... A couple of things we've got to work on, which I don't, I don't really want to go into details at the moment because it's not fair... Because we're trying to conduct this stuff, so we get to a stage where we can make the announcement fairly soon. So that's what we're working on. But I, I, I think this will, will, ha- Well, we all do? We all think it's going to happen.
2: Yeah, I mean, Bob Arum said you were expecting an offer from Saudi Arabia this week. Has that come through? Well, we're we're expecting a couple of offers this week, but no, none
1: of them have come through. And then we've got to make our or Tyson's got to make his decision.
2: Yeah, so it's a kind of waiting game at the moment. I mean, Frank, yes. you you've been over the course. You are so vastly experienced in the world of boxing promotion. Give us your gut feeling. When is it going to happen?
1: I I hope it's going to happen. I don't think it's going to happen, obviously, in March at the moment, but I I hope the end of March, early April. That's where where, where, where we're looking at the moment. So fingers crossed we get it over the line for that date, but it will definitely, definitely happen.
2: I mean, we, we, the, obviously, you'll forgive us if we're beginning to sound pessimistic because um, a, a degree of pessimism crops up, Frank, because of what happened uh, some time ago with uh, Tyson eventually never stepping into the ring with AJ. AJ. So we, we wonder, I mean, from Yusik's side, Igus Klimas Frank spoke to us in December. Have a listen. He suggested then
3: that the fight was as good as done. We've been in negotiations even before the fight That's why we showed up to the fight. We were invited. We were treated very nice by the Queensborough. Amazing, amazing fans in the UK. We love UK fans. And, I mean, we've been talking to Queensborough Promotions about that fight before. I am talking with a top rank. We are almost done, I wanted to say. It's not much to talk. Two heavyweights, best in the sports today, undisputed heavyweight. Championship bout. That's what people need. That's what the fans need. So where and when? Uh, most likely, it's going to be no later than March 4th, and uh, it most likely it will end up in the Middle East. I want to say, but during today's conversation, I heard the other options are coming, like uh, maybe again London Stadium, Qatar. Most likely, we aiming for Saudi because you know Saudi is very interested in that fight. Saudi loves Usyk. I mean, Usyk is a huge, huge big fan in the UK as well. So,
2: I mean, that was Clemas. Six weeks on, it's one step forward, two back, Frank. I mean, we can forget about that's, March that's the 4th. Back,
1: back at all. It's nothing back at all. You know, what he says stands. The only thing is it won't be March the 4th. That's the... the, the Various reasons that I don't want to go into at the moment, but that there's not, no step-backs. It's been step-forwards all the way. Everybody's been positive about it,
4: and we will Frank, get it on. Frank, can I just ask you, what, what would be the main difference in dealing with you six people to Joshua's people? Is it a lot easier? Is it a lot smoother? Yeah. Is it, yeah?
1: yeah, they have no ties. They have no promotional ties. Um, they are free agents. They have no... TV contract. So it's just, it, that side of it is very, very simple. Oh, that's good. And uh, so we've got no, Yeah, you know, I'm very, very confident this is going to happen. Tyson wants it, I think he put something out yesterday as well. But it will, it will happen. And some, look, it's like I'm an Arsenal fan and we're flying at the moment, but we lost out on that player, which we all thought we had. That's
5: sport. And <laughs> Chelsea went in the mid Well, They've been very clear, haven't they, in Saudi, that they wanted... Undisputed, They wanted to be able to stage the undisputed heavyweight championship of the world, which they've now got in their ideal utopian world because of previous relationships, Frank. They might have liked that to be an Anthony Joshua, but that ship has sailed. So what is taking the time without – I know you don't want to sort of veer into too much technicalities, but they've got what they want now, the ability, KSA, I suspect it is. I know the Qataris were in and around it, but they can't do that probably till the end of the year, so the timings won't work. So what is taking the time to move from a situation where two fighters are calling one another out, where one's calling them belly and the other one's calling them middleweight or whatever else the, the background noise is? Why are we taking so long to get to a point where a financial offer... Have you been, have you been offered money? Are you still horse trading about the money?
1: We're still horse trading.
5: So the fight if, will happen.
1: But, let me tell you, whatever happens, the fight
5: will happen. You know, the fallback position... Is Wembley. Wembley now? Can that's I ask it. you about that, Frank? Do you think that's helpful? Because I didn't think it was particularly helpful what Bob has said. Because if I you've
1: got, I know I, 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 I don't. I, I, you know, listen. It, it, what's been said has been said, and you know, and I've I've, 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 in the past done said things. That's why I don't want to say things today because I want to get, I want to get this fight done. I don't want to compromise. They don't want to give anybody an excuse. Else. Yeah, yeah,
2: and that's that's really it. And but, we're, but Frank is Bob Adam to... right. If it ends up here in the UK, the 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 purse split would change. Well, we will see. You
1: know, Tyson's the attraction. I mean, he's the guy we've seen in his last two fights. He's, he's had 100 and, nearly 160,000 people watching.
5: But also, you know the other side of the argument as well. You've got the other champion for an undisputed fight... To make it happen, Frank, you know you've got to be talking about something resembling 50-50, don't you?
1: Well, we 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 will will are at the moment in discussion. So we will work it out because they're all sensible people and we're sensible.
5: But if you can't get a sensible off out of the Saudis, which you know you probably can, it'll be about quantums from the Saudis. It might be 100 million, it might be 120, it might be 90, right? But if for some reason that falls out of bed, right, the scale of the fight economically drops, doesn't it? If you can't yeah. get a facility fee from the Saudis now... If the scale of the drop, of the, if the Saudi deal falls out of bed, and we hope it doesn't, not that I want it fought in the Middle East, but we understand that that's what makes this fight happen. Are you going to be able to make this fight when a fight becomes a 50 or 60 million pound fight because it's being fought with Wembley?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, they're either going to make the unification, or not, they both want to do it, or what's the alternative? They got, you know. Well, that's the question as I'm
5: asking you, because it's all about money as in as Saudi, it, isn't it? Come on.
1: As far as is concerned, he start having to make his mandatory or vacate, and that just killed a unification. So, But I, if you, you, can't, know, I'm, if you I'm,
5: can't get the big number, Frank, and I hope that you can, not because I want it in Saudi, but because I know that's the economic landscape that makes it work, Are yeah. is the Fury camp and the um, Usic camp prepared to accept a fight that drops in economic value because it can't be staged in the Middle East? Will that fight still be made if the landscape of not being able to put it in the Middle East is
1: removed? If, if, if we can't get what we're looking for, If we can't get it, then it'll go on and the numbers are the numbers. It's reality and that's the end of it. I mean, you know, that's that's what will
2: happen. Your 100% essential download, Outspoken with White and Jordan. Thanks for listening to Outspoken with White and Jordan. Please leave us a review wherever you get your podcast. We'll be back each weekday to bring you the best of the show.